Good morning, and welcome to this worship service. It is so good to have each of you here with us. I invite you to stand and join me in the call to worship, which is printed in your bulletin. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. Oh, that our ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. We will praise you with upright hearts as we learn your righteous laws. O God, who from everlasting to everlasting is the same, who loves us with an undying love, open us in this hour of worship to the power and majesty of your glory, giving us a view of the eternal, that we might do the work you have called us to do and give you the praise. This we pray in your name. Amen.
We invite you to share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship as the saints of God come together in this place. Just a few things that I want to highlight uh, that are in the bulletin. Uh, there are a number of prayer concerns, and we continue to remember folks connected to us. I do want to add to this list Pastor Kevin, who is having difficulties from a uh, recent kidney stone, and, uh, and is uh, actually at home and has had a rough week and been to the emergency room uh, once or twice. And so we want to pray for Pastor Kevin uh, in these days and for healing in his body. Uh, there also are a couple of inserts in your bulletin. One of them relates to care packages uh, that we send out to uh, students who are in other places. So just note that and participate in that. And uh, the other one is about the prayer vigil. And there's actually a lot in your bulletin about the prayer vigil. We start that today. The first time, uh, the first moment in the prayer vigil is at 5 o'clock. We're having a little bit of trouble with people signing up and understanding the new calendar. It's it's actually simple, but it's new, so you know how that goes. So we thought we'll take a second and show you, go to this site, click on from the main website, click a day, and down at the bottom is a drop-down menu, and if the highlights, that means it's free. If, it's, if when you put your mouse over it, it doesn't highlight, that means it's taken. Okay, and then you can put in your information. And if it's taken and you're not quite sure and you type in the information, it will just say that time is taken. And you choose another one. I just wanted to just let you see that because sometimes it's hard to visualize when you're talking about it. If you have problems with that, let us know. And you can sign up this morning before you leave in the upper and lower foyers in the back of the church. And um, anytime during the, during the week uh, from a computer, call the church office and we'll get you signed up. We, uh, we still have some times available this week and we'd love to fill those up. Once we get to about the middle of the week, we will open up the times for the following week. And begin filling those. There are um, a couple of things happening today in preparation for the beginning of the vigil. At uh, 4.30, we are meeting here at the church for a kickoff gathering. We will sing and read scripture. And we'll, we'll light candles and uh, share together in about, uh, for about uh, 40 minutes or so. And then uh, send the first, off, first person into the prayer room at 5 o'clock. And we would love to have you be a part of this gathering. There is an excitement that builds in coming together as we prepare for this uh, three-week prayer vigil. There's also, before that, a prayer walk. It begins at four, and the, insert, the yellow insert in your bulletin is about that. And it gives you some information about it um, and where the groups are meeting. You can sign up this morning, but if you didn't sign up or don't sign up today, feel free to come to any of the groups, and uh, they will be meeting at four in each of these places. And around 4.20, 4.30, people will be coming down to the church. And if you're unfamiliar with the prayer walk, it's simply a matter of walking around and praying for the people who are a part of that place. And so there are different places in Houghton, different places in the communities around us. And uh, we want to be as inobtrusive as possible, but just to pray and to ask God's blessing on the places and the people where we work, where we live, where we interact, and to ask for God's grace in those places. And, and just understand, you do not have to be a part of the prayer walk in order to come to the kickoff event at 4.30. It's just one more thing that you, you can do that we are offering this year in preparation 
for the prayer vigil. So if you haven't signed up yet, let me encourage you to do so. Uh, sometimes it's helpful to, have, uh, to hear from other people about their experiences. And so Norm Smithley is going to share a couple of minutes about his experience in the prayer room in past years. This prayer vigil is a wonderful opportunity in the life of our church. Many churches don't give this opportunity uh, to their congregation. And for me, it's been a wonderful time. Uh, One of the neat things is is I can go down uh, to the prayer room and have a time of renewal, of uh, one-on-one time with God, and a time... uh, just to, to spend with, with him uninterrupted. The one uh, nice thing about not being interrupted is once you close that door, uh, unless God wills it, nothing's going to, going to, to interrupt you. And that um, Pastor Owen's not going to come down with the bulletin and say, you think I should uh, put this insert in the bulletin this week? Or Janice is not going to come to me and say, can you open this jar? And uh, you're, you're not... Uh, you don't have uh, Aunt Edna and Uncle Uncle Ray coming by in an unexpected time for a visit, and it's it's just a time of uninterrupted, wonderful time of prayer. Uh, one of the one of the things that um, is that has happened to me is that the time is not seemingly enough. It an hour seems like twenty minutes, and it goes very quickly. Uh, once I was able to sign up for a two-hour uh, slot in a row, and it ended up seeming like 40 minutes. My second year uh, in participating with the prayer vigil, they asked me if I wanted to work security. And they said, well, that's a four-hour shift from 10 at night till 2 in the morning or 2 in the morning till 6 in the morning. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, it's not the prayer room. But And the only interruption is going to be on the hour every hour for somebody coming in and going out. But it's four hours of time that I can s- spend in prayer and alone with God. And, it, and it, it's, it's a wonderful time, even in working security. Once I was done with the prayer vigil, I um, wanted to keep that, um, so to speak, high going. And uh, I didn't want it to end. Uh, and I took that home with me. I changed my personal schedule around a little bit, and uh, I didn't. Um, and I was able to continue with that that time that I had in the prayer room at home. Um, there was still the odd interruption, you know, the fire siren going off, that kind of thing. But uh, for the most part, I was able to 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 cut that to a minimum, and able to to continue with that. Uh, continue what I, I had experienced in the prayer room. One of the, uh, the things, though, that happened to me last year was I thought, well, I'm having this wonderful experience at home, the same as I was having in the prayer room. You know, do I really need to go and be participate in the prayer vigil? And my answer came back is, yeah, I do. I mean, it's okay to have... Um, Routines in certain parts of our life, our work, our, that kind of thing, but not with our uh, routine relationship and walk with God. And the prayer vigil 
prayer vigil every every year takes me out of the, out of that routine, and that I can go ahead and and um, have a different time, whether it be in the middle of the morning, um, at two or three in the morning, or change my my work schedule around and uh, have a time with him in the afternoon or lunch hour, whatever the case may be. And and that's very important that we don't have that that routine type situation with God. And and the prayer vigil uh, helps keep me from from that happening. Thank you. Thank you, Norman. Appreciate that. I invite you to join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin. Let's pray together. God of our fathers, we see the faith, courage, and holiness of those who have gone before us, and we realize how often we fall short of their witness. Forgive us when doubts stifle our faith. Forgive us when fear paralyzes our courage. Forgive us when our desire for self overwhelms our desire to be holy. As we pray these words of confession, Let us hear your promise of pardon. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Our choir director has allowed me to read to you the words of this anthem. There's a lot of food for thought here, and it fits very well with our theme today on faithfulness. A poem by John Thornburg. See if you can follow it. To sing when fleeting breath and truant hope forbid. To stand when gusts of fear at cyclone strength prevail. To act when blanket heavy apathy surrounds, to roar when falsehood, clothed in silence, overwhelms. This, then, is faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen, and in God's good grace, to stand, to to sing, to act, to roar, we are called to live this faith.
Our Old Testament scripture reading is from 1 Samuel chapter 12, reading verses 18 through 25. Then Samuel called upon the Lord, and that same day the Lord sent thunder and rain. So all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. The people all said to Samuel, Pray to the Lord your God for your servants, so that we will not die. For we have added to all our other sins the evil of asking for a king. Do not be afraid, Samuel replied. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you, because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people, because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will be swept away. This is the word of the Lord. As the ushers come forward to assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings, please stand for the glory of Patri. Receive our gifts, O God, and may they serve to proclaim the good news to the ends of the earth and to the end of time. Amen. You may be seated. Please sing with me. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road And those who've gone before us line the way Cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary Their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses Let us run the race not only for the prize But as those who've gone before us Let us leave to those behind us The heritage of faithfulness Passed on through godly lives Oh, may all who come Find us faithful 
people through the ages, we have the opportunity to pour out our hearts to him in prayer. And as we do so as individuals and corporately, if you'd like to use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, where you listen to God's voice, please come and join me. Father, we thank you for your mercy and goodness through the years of your people and through our lives. You are gracious, you are kind, you are good. And we come this morning to worship you, to honor you, and to lay before you the burdens that are on our hearts. Father, this morning we pray for those who are struggling with illness, so much that breaks down and concerns us in our bodies. And we pray for healing. We pray for all who are struggling with grief and loss and the various forms in which it comes to us. And we ask for your comfort. Father, we pray about the uncertainties of life. And ask that you would help us to walk into them and through them with the courage of Christ.
Father, we remember the disappointments that come to us. And we ask that you will give us grace to trust you. Even when life is not moving in the direction and in the way we want it to. And we pray about the hurts and the pains that we far too often inflict on one another. We ask that you would give to us a spirit of forgiveness, of grace toward each other. Father, we pray that you would help us to see one another as people to be loved rather than as people with whom we compete. Help us to see one another as people to be affirmed and valued rather than people whom we might use to get to our own ends. Father, we pray that you will continually teach us the ways of humility, the ways of Christ and the cross. It is in his name that we offer our prayers, including this one. As we remember all that Christ has done for us and is doing for us and has promised to do for us. And remembering the prayer that he leaves for us as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The New Testament scripture reading is the book of 3 John. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, 
spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. This is the word of the Lord.
Please be seated. We live in a world in which so much that we use is disposable. And I want to ask you about to think about some things that are pretty common everyday life that are disposable. What are some things that come to your mind? Now, I did this last service, and my hearing is going, so I had to keep saying, what? I couldn't quite hear you. So speak loudly. What's something we in your life that you use that's disposable? Newspaper. Okay. Pardon? Paper towels. Kleenex. That's a brand name. We said tissues last service, so we had to, we had to clarify. I always say Kleenex, too, you know, so, yeah. Advertisement. Yes? I'm sorry. Pardon? Oh, I had a vegetable peeler, okay. What else is disposable? Batteries. Batteries. Toothpicks. Yep, toothpicks. Paper plates. Contact lenses. That's a strange one, isn't it? You know, I mean, I remember my sister first got contacts in the 70s. They were, you know, the glass hard kind that you wore your whole life and you had to take them out every night or they'd stick to your eye. And now we wear them a day and toss them. Different. Anything else? Say that again. Sandwich bags. All right. I'm surprised nobody said diapers. You know, a lot of couples start out as we did with saying we're going to use cloth diapers. You know, well that lasted I don't know two days or something like that. No, longer than that. But you know, you um, you know we have all these things: disposable razors, disposable pens. We even talk about disposable in- income. We talk, and we think about that a little bit differently, but we talk about disposable workforce of people that we hire for a little while and then we let them go. And we intend to do that from the beginning. And we live in this world of what I'll call disposability, where so much of our thinking is, I use it and toss it. And what's frightening about that is that it, it's subconsciously begins to work in our minds as a culture and we start thinking of our relationships like that. And our relationships are are no longer for the whole of life, but if you offend me, hey, we're done. If you hurt me, that's it. If I find someone I like better, I'm going there. And, and so much of our relationships are, are in the culture and society, we see it all the time, are throwaway. And I know that it burdens us as we watch our society continue more and more to think this way about relationships. But here's the thing, it isn't something that's just started in the 21st century. Problems with relationships has been, have been going on for centuries. Even when Paul writes the letter to the Galatians, they, he is dealing with two factions in the church who are at each other's throats and are wanting to separate and divide and go their own way. And I think that's why when he gets to chapter 5 and he says, look, if you're walking in the Spirit, if the Spirit's living in your life, if you are a Spirit-filled person, then the fruit that comes out of your life, the characteristics that people will see are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. 
it is a characteristic of the Holy Spirit in his people. Now, what does faithfulness mean? It's not as though our culture and society doesn't value faithfulness. All of these characteristics are viewed in some way or another positively by a high percentage of, our, of the population. But somehow, as Paul says they're connected to the Spirit, he has to mean something different than what everyone else thinks. And I, I think it comes back to what we've been talking about over and over again, that the fruit of the Spirit is rooted in this self-giving attitude that comes out in self-sacrificial action. And faithfulness is no different. Now the word that Paul uses here could be translated faith or faithfulness. And there are some versions that translate this word faith, implying that, and some people, some scholars will say, this is a, one of the fruit that's really connected more to God than to other people. But it doesn't seem to fit the whole rest of the list. I think all of the list is more relational between human beings But we all know our relationships with each other are rooted in our relationship with God. And you can't separate the two. So in a sense, it's both faith and faithfulness. And if we start talking about faithfulness in the way God intends it, it's going to always mean cost and risk. God is going to ask us to pay a price to be faithful. He's going to ask us to stick in with things when we'd rather quit. When we think about faithfulness, we're thinking about trustworthiness, reliability, loyalty, keeping our promises. And sometimes that's easy, sometimes that's hard. It's difficult to keep our promise when other people don't keep theirs. It's difficult to be reliable when other people aren't reliable with us. But to paraphrase what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount... It's really not that difficult to be faithful toward people who are faithful toward you. Even pagans do that. The real test is faithfulness toward people who are unfaithful toward you. And that's the church, the body of Christ, sticking together. That's why when I first thought about faithfulness, the image that came to my mind was bananas. Now, I totally forgot to mention this at the second service. So they're all walking out going, what's the deal with the bananas? What does that have to do with anything? So I'll explain this to you. You know, they come in a bunch. You know, you go to the store and rarely do you ever see just one lone little pathetic banana by itself. They they come in a bunch and, and, you know, we we buy them that way. You know, most of, a lot of you know that on Sundays between services I eat a banana, just get a little energy as I go along. And so often Cindy will go to the store and buy those, but if I'm with her... You know, I'll go to the store and inevitably I get there and the only bananas you can get are a bunch of five or six of them. And I only want two. And I feel, oh, I always feel bad. I feel a little guilty ripping off two bananas. I know you pay by the pound. It's not like I'm stealing. But, you know, you, I just, I hate that sound of tearing those two bananas off of that. And that's why this is in my mind because it feels like, it feels like I am ripping apart something that was intended to stay together. Sort of like faithfulness. So what does that look like? What what do we do with faithfulness? What does that mean to be faithful to each other? There are all kinds of things rattling around in my mind as I pondered this. But let me suggest a couple. One is I think faithfulness involves the risk of speaking the truth in love. 
to each other. If we are going to be faithful to each other, then when we see each other going down paths that are unhealthy, we ought to be doing something about it. If you see someone running toward a cliff and they don't realize they're running toward a cliff, is it faithfulness to say, well, I don't want to get in their, I don't want to get in their life? Run over and tackle them if you have to. And when we see one another going in directions that we know are unhealthy, that are, that are going to cause pain, that, that are away from God, somehow we step into that with words of truth. And quite frankly, that's a risk because when we say things to people, we don't know how they're going to respond. I suspect if, any, if you've been on the other end of that where people have spoken truth into you, to you, as I have, our most natural response is to get defensive. And, of course, the best defense is a good offense. So we go on the attack. Well, I'm better than you about this. And, and we, we strike back at them because they have, you know, we're embarrassed. And, quite frankly, we probably know they're right. We just don't want to admit it. But I look back at the times when people have done that for me and have done it out of, spirit, out of a spirit of love. And those are some of the most monumental moments in my life where God made changes for me that I needed and have made me such a better person. Now, hear me. It's speaking the truth in love. Not anger, not arrogance, but love. We do this in the spirit of humility. We do this with prayer, with fear and trembling. We don't look forward to attacking people. But because we care about them, because we're committed to be faithful to each other, there are times when the most loving thing we can do is to step in and in sincerity and humility and grace speak to people. In 3 John, he commends the church there, the leader of the church, for both their their truth, their commitment to the truth, their faithfulness to the truth, their faith in what they're doing with each other in a spirit of love. And it's working for them. It's a risk, but it's part of being faithful. I also think there is, in faithfulness, the risk of of being bold and courageous with and for each other. And by that I mean there are times when, when sometimes we're in such a situation that we don't have faith in ourselves. We don't have courage in ourselves to take steps of faith. And others come along beside us and become courage and faith for us. We lift up each other. We hold up each other. We care for each other. And in those moments, we take bold steps of faith that by ourselves we probably wouldn't take. There are a number of times in the the scriptures where people come to Jesus for healing. And he says to them, your faith has healed you. And they walk away different than they came. In Matthew 9, there is a story of a guy who is paralyzed and he has four friends and they're trying to get him to Jesus. But the house that Jesus is in is so filled, they can't get him to Jesus. But they don't give up. They climb up on the roof with this guy and they start taking the roof apart. 
I don't know who owns the house, but they can't be happy about that. And as the people who are sitting in the house are going, whoa, what's falling down on us? And they look up and now they can see the sky. And they're pretty sure that wasn't the case when they walked into the house not that long before. And all of a sudden, this guy is let down on a mat into the crowd. And I don't know how the, other, how the four guys get there, if they rappel down on ropes or if they come through the front door and push their way in. But they get to Jesus. And in the middle of this scene, Matthew says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Your sins are forgiven you. Be healed. When he saw their faith, this man was healed. I think it took tons of courage for them to do what they do to get this guy to Jesus so that he can be changed. And sometimes we are that for each other. We stand in the gap for each other. We become courage and faith for each other when we don't have it within ourselves. One of the most astounding things to me in Scripture is how faith, what a role faith plays in, in the work that God does. I mean, God can do anything He wants to do without limits. He can do anything. And yet somehow He has decided to wed Himself to human faith and the, His work in the world to human faith. And so the story of Jesus and, and some of the disciples are on the Mount of Transfiguration. When they come back, the other disciples, it's all, there's all, this whole turmoil because they've been trying to drive out a demon and they haven't been able to. And they say to Jesus, why couldn't we drive out the demon? And he says, because of your little faith. The most astounding thing to me is Jesus is in his hometown. He goes to the synagogue. He's teaching in the synagogue. And the people are amazed at his teaching. And then they start looking at each other and saying, wait a second, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this the brother of James and these guys? Who does he think he is? And the end result of that is that the scripture says, Jesus was not able to do any miracles in that town except to lay his hands on a few people. Because they didn't have faith. They didn't believe. You and I can be people of faith for each other. When when I don't have faith, your faith can pick me up. When you don't have faith, my faith can pick you up. But that means that it's going to be costly for us. I remember reading a few years ago about a guy named Paul who was at a prayer event, big prayer event, and people were sharing, and he stood up to share, and, and he, he was this huge, massive guy. He had long, stringy, blonde hair, and, and he had huge forearms and biceps. You could tell he was a weightlifter. And he stood up in front of the crowd, and he said, uh, I want to tell you about my sister. She's 26 years old, she has anorexia, and she weighs 70 pounds. She's developed arthritis so much so that she can't get herself dressed, she can hardly move her fingers, and now she has developed diabetes as well. And she has begun to go through menopause. Everything has been taken away from her, her health, her womanhood, her dignity, her life. And he said, but I, I want to confess something to you. 
He said, I don't pray for her. He said, is it because I don't care about her? No, I, I care deeply for her. Is it because I don't believe in prayer? No, I'm here in this event because I care deeply about prayer. I, I don't pray for her because it hurts too much. Because I know that every time I pray for her, I have to once again remember everything she's going through. And I have, to, I have to engage in her life and everything that she's going through. And it hurts so much because I care for her. But he said, God has been speaking to my heart that maybe that's exactly what intercessory prayer is. It's stepping into other people's pain. And taking on their pain. As we pray, not just for them, but with them. And he said, I am committing myself to pray with my sister. And I want to challenge all of us to pray about the burdens and concerns. And to be willing to pay the price to be faithful to each other in prayer. And to stand in the gap for each other. In a spirit of faithfulness. It's what we see in 1 Samuel. As the people of Israel reject God as their king and they want a human king and, and all that, that is going on there. And they say to Samuel when they realize they have rejected him, they've rejected God, they realize their sin. And they say to Samuel, oh, please pray for us. And, and I, I think my most natural human reaction would be to say, pray for you. You guys pray for yourselves. You got yourself into this. You don't want me? Fine. But Samuel says, far be it from me to sin against God by not praying for you. Far be it from me to be faithless toward you. To be unfaithful toward your needs. And part of our praying for each other And part of this idea of risking for each other and being faithful to each other is not just praying bold prayers and standing in the gap, but it's doing that consistently. It is refusing to stop praying because we trust God. Praying without ceasing is not just this spirit of praying all the time, but it's praying in such a way that whatever burden and need is on our hearts, we never give up praying about it. Friday, we celebrated All Saints Day. We sang this morning, For All the Saints. And whenever we we, we celebrate that day, we sing that song, my mind always goes back to Hebrews 11 and the great litany of faithful people through the centuries. And yet in verse 13 it says, These were people who sought God, who looked for the promises of God, and never saw them fully. They died without experiencing them. But they didn't give up. They didn't stop believing. They kept on in the faith. If you've been around the last few years about, as we've had these prayer vigils, you might remember me talking about a book, Red Moon Rising. It's a story that uh, Pete Gregg, the author, author, tells of how God put this whole vision of praying 24-7 on his heart, and a lot of it came out of his experience in, in the uh, Moravian 
church and, and visiting the uh, Moravians' uh, settlements and their prayer vigils and, and this whole story of God and his life and that started in a little town in England that's grown around the world. And in about halfway through the book, he tells of being at a prayer event in Spain where there were thousands of young people worshiping and praying. And, and this, this night unfolded. They, they just kept on worshiping and kept on praying. And he finally went uh, back to his room. And the next morning he arrived early and, he, and the guy was there saying, look, what, I don't know what's going on, but there are at least 50 of these young people who spent the whole night praying. They just won't stop praying. He said, it's awesome. I've been hoping and asking God to do something like this in Spain. And, and now we're seeing it. And Pete was sort of remembering, thinking back of how far they had gone. And all of a sudden he remembered that he had been in this, in this city once before. He had forgotten. It was when he was a student hitchhiking from home from Portugal. And he stopped in this, in this town and he sat on a bench in the middle of the city park. And he asked God, where's the army? Where are your prayer warriors? Where are the people that you want to raise up in, in Spain? To stand in the gap for you and your kingdom. Where are they? And he said they they were nowhere around. And I didn't know where they were. And he said all of a sudden, nine years later, here they are. These thousands of young people coming together, crying out to God in prayer and in worship. And he said it was in that moment that he felt as if God said to him, Pete, I know, I realize that most of the things you pray about, you forget. But Pete, I remember every single prayer. And whether you see it or not, I'm at work. And that really is the crux of the issue. We are able to be faithful because God is. Any faithfulness in us is because of our God who is eternally faithful. So much so that Paul writes to Timothy and says, even when we are faithless, God is faithful. And faith, the faithfulness of God is not just something he does. Even though scripture tells us over and over again, he's described as the one who keeps his promises, keeps his word, does what he says. It's really not so much what God does as who God is. He is faithful. It's his nature. It's his character. He cannot be anything other than than faithful. No wonder then, when we are filled with the Spirit, no wonder when, the, when we are walking in the Spirit, when the Spirit is controlling our lives, when we are surrendered to the Spirit, no wonder one of the characteristics of the fruit that comes out of us is faithfulness. Heavenly Father, We yearn for your faithfulness in our lives. Forgive us for all of the times 
when we have been unfaithful to you and to one another. And through your Spirit, raise up in us faithfulness. And we pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Again, we want to give you opportunities to respond to whatever God may be saying to you. There are cards at the outside and inside of each row. Take one of those. Sometime today, write down whatever God may be saying to you. It may be a person's name. It it may be a situation, a circumstance, a prayer you need to pray that maybe you've given up on, a step of faith for someone else. Whatever it may be, write that down and let's again commit ourselves this week to at least five minutes a day to pray for God to develop the fruit of faithfulness in our hearts. And if you would like to talk to someone, pray with someone, just to be encouraged in your walk today, the elders will be down by the prayer room after the service and would love to listen, to talk, to pray. As we come to the conclusion of our service today, I want to invite you to take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 297 and stand as we sing together.
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.